Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This message is a part of our series, Life Together, where we are examining what the New Testament letters have to say about living in community. Good morning, everybody. And welcome to you if you are on live stream tracking with us or if you're watching this later on. Um, So good to be together. It is so good to be together as a people of God. It is so good to gather together. We talked about that in the first sermon of the series, to remember to gather together, to be together as the people of God. So thanks for being here in the building. And then for those of you who are gathering with us on live stream as well, just thank you for being a part of this. Uh, We're in a series called Life Together, and we're talking about what it means to be the community of God, particularly in this time, and I really sense that we needed to kind of dig into this in this particular time, to reclaim who we are as God's people, to be the people of God in the midst of this time when we're we're scattered throughout the region. Uh, Many people are isolated, uh, quarantined, or whatever it is. Uh, it, It is so easy to not live into who we are as the people of God and do what God has called us to do and function the way that we're supposed to function. And so we're doing a little bit of thinking around what it means to be the people of God, to do life together, particularly in the midst of this pandemic. Like when, and so we're talking about encouragement today because, you know, when life is tiring, when you're struggling with anxiety, when family members are squabbling, sometimes family members squabble, when the bills aren't paid and when school is difficult and when work is exhausting and when health is failing and when loved ones are hurt and when, when a good friend leaves, is your heart strong? It's easy to be discouraged, right? It is easy to be discouraged. And if you think about it, discouragement arises out of three things or a combination of three things. Uh, dissatisfaction with the past. The past hasn't always gone the way that I've wanted it to go. Uh, A distaste for the present. Life is not really what I thought it would be. And there are some things in my life right now that I I don't like. They stink. (laughs) And a distrust of the future. I'm not sure what the future holds. And so I'm somewhat fearful. And and when those things uh, start to happen, uh, we can become discouraged and discouragement steals things like our joy and our peace and our contentment and our resilience and if discouragement remains for too long we begin to feel things like hopelessness and bitterness and depression and doubt and anxiety and sometimes sometimes discouragement can be so strong that we that we don't want to go on living anymore so let me ask you the question is your heart always strong i don't mean you know, your physical heart, I'm talking about your inner being, your emotions, your mind, your, your will. Are they always strong? Uh, I'm not always strong. I, I mean, we can project, like we can project strength. You can, you can look good on the outside. You can look like you're confident and you can look like you're strong. But on the inside, you can be frail. You could be wilting. And the reason that we're supposed to encourage one another is because we're not always strong. We struggle. We like to think we're strong, but we're not always strong. We need encouragement. I I read once about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln was known to be a great leader, and uh, there was an article written about his leadership that went on to talk about how great a leader he was, but when he was feeling weak, 
when his leadership was under fire, he would pull that article out and read it just to encourage himself. We need encouragement. We, we need the power of encouragement in our lives. We, we just can't do life on our own, particularly when it comes to following Christ and remaining faithful to Jesus. When followers of Jesus are discouraged, we become cynical and hard and, and eventually walk away from Christ. And Hebrews chapter 3, 13, encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And then Hebrews 10, 25, the passage that we started this series with and are continuing to build, up, build on, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are commanded to encourage each other and daily because we are so desperately in need of encouragement. The word encouragement means to add courage, encourage. When, when we encourage someone, we add courage to their inner being. We add courage, the need for courage to go on. We add courage to follow Jesus. We add courage to the inner being to, to do the right thing. We add courage to stay faithful, perhaps in the hard place that we're, we find ourselves in. We add courage to continue to follow Christ. And you know, I, I I have been through some difficult times and I, I've got people around me, uh, many of them are here at Stony Plain Alliance Church who add courage to my life, who speak into my life and add courage to my life. I meet monthly with a group of pastors and one of the main things we do for each other is we, we add courage to each other's lives. We continue to speak courage and hope to each other. We pray for each other and we spur each other on to continue on. Uh, some of you don't have an encourager in your life, or you're not in an encouraging environment. And I, I don't have judgment for you today. I have a word of encouragement for you today. And I want to encourage us to be a community that adds courage to one another. Now, I, I don't think we ought to be the kind of church. God's vision for the church is not the kind of church where we gather together or we're with people from the church and we feel more discouraged after being together than when we're together. We're supposed to actually be encouraged by one another. And we're supposed to walk out of our meetings, whether it's a small group meeting or a, a worship service or a, you know, just a, an opportunity to meet with someone for coffee, and we're supposed to leave with wind in our sails, courage to continue to follow Christ. William Barclay said the biblical word for encouragement is used to exhort others to noble deeds and high thoughts. It is especially the word of courage before a battle. And when you think about it, life is a battle. And really, we're in a battle right now. It is, these are tough times. All the more we need encouragement. We need to be able to speak renewed courage, renewed hope into the lives of each other. And so I want to look at example, an example of encouragement in the New Testament. We're going to look at a guy by the name of Joseph who is called um, the son of encouragement. He's such an encourager that they change his name to Son of Encouragement. How'd you like that for a nickname? His name is Barnabas. Maybe we'll call him Barney, you know. Barney means Son of Encouragement. And, and I want us to look at the characteristic of this Barnabas, who is the Son of Encouragement, and then think about what does that mean for us to be encouragers of one another as a church community. First of all, encouragers are generous people. We, we run into Barnabas in Acts chapter 
4, well, really Acts chapter 2, but Acts chapter 4, we begin to see why the apostles name him son of encouragement. So Acts chapter 4, verses 34 to 37, the verses are up on the screen. Acts chapter 4 says, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales of the land, put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The, the needs of people are being met. This beautiful, beautiful scene uh, in which people are, are selling land, additional land probably that they owned and they, they brought the sale, the proceeds to the proceeds of the sale to the apostles and they laid the money at the apostles' feet and they said, you, you distribute that amongst the believers, distribute it amongst the poor in our community. So we, we want to make sure that the needs of people are met. So this beautiful scene and, and Barnabas is one of those who sold the field that he owned, brought the money, put it at the apostles' feet. See, in, encouragers are generous people. We encourage people through our generosity. When we're generous with our time, when we're gen generous with our talents, when we're generous with our treasures, we speak a word of encourager, encouragement to people. If you serve others with the gifts that God has given you, you know, hear this, small group leaders or youth leaders or kids leaders or Sunday morning worship teams or you, you are using your gifts to encourage others. I want you to know that when you give your time, your talent, your treasure to serve at Stony Plain Alliance Church, I want you to know that when you do that generously, it speaks a word of encouragement to me. My, my heart leaps when I see generous people. Uh, it, it speaks a word of encouragement to our pastoral staff. It speaks a word of encouragement to our leaders. It speaks a word of encouragement to the congregation, to the people here. It encourages the work of God in our community when we are generous with our time, talents, and our treasures. Your generosity blows wind into the sails of God's work in this community. When, when we had a young family, uh, we were pastoring in our first church and uh, just graduated from Bible college, went to this tiny community, this small church. We had four kids. And uh, we, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, and we wanted to take our kids on a summer holiday. And so we decided that we would go and visit our family in Vancouver. Uh, because that's always a great thing to do on holidays, right? Go and live with your family for about a week or two. And so we decided we'd do a little camping along the way and make a little bit of a thing of it. And it was very simple, but it was our opportunity to get out of town, get away. And um, on the first, I think one of the first times we went away, uh, there was an older gentleman in our congregation who was a Korean. And uh, we were going away on holidays, and he walked up to me after church, and he slipped an envelope in my hand, and he said, I want you to... Have a good holiday with your family. And we left. We went home, thanked him for it, went home and opened up the envelope and there was this stack of cash in it. It was about $800. And for us, that was a windfall. <laughs> and as we drove out of town, tired, I'm raising four kids, tired, doing ministry for a year without holiday time. I think I had two weeks of holidays or three weeks of holidays. I can't remember what it was at the time. But just feeling like I needed a break and feeling a little bit on the edge of discouragement, that just blew wind into our sails as we drove out of town. Such an encouragement to us. A few years ago when we partnered with Ratnak to help 
fund their work in the area of anti-human trafficking in Cambodia. Brian McConaughey came to share with us about the horrors of what was happening in Cambodia. Their ministry helps to rescue kids and then to heal the scars of those who have been trafficked. And many of you said, how can this be? How, how can this happen? We need to do something. And so our church raised something like $40,000 in that first year, and we continue to partner with them over the years. And there are many of you who are still partnering with Ratnak on an individual basis. But Brian has said to me many, many times, I have been so encouraged by Stony Plain Alliance Church because one, it feels like home. Whenever I go there, I always feel welcome. But two, your people get it. They, they get it and they're generous. You see, encouragers are generous. And it's great to think that we've added courage to those who are on the front line of this human trafficking, anti-human trafficking uh, cause in our world. That, that's part of what we've done for Brian and Ratnak is we've, we've been able to encourage them and we've encouraged their work. Generosity is an encouragement to people. Think about a time where you have experienced the generosity of somebody else, whether it's with their time or their talents or their treasure, and how that's encouraged you. When you do that for someone else, just know you're an encouragement. You want to encourage someone this week? Give them the gift of your time. Give them, give them the gift of your talent. Serve them. Give them the gift of your treasure. It will encourage them. Secondly, encouragers come alongside of people. Encouragers come alongside of people. Encouragers are in somebody's corner. In the sport of boxing, I, I wasn't a boxer. My grandpa, my grandpa was a boxer. He boxed when he was a young man. And boxers always have corner people. They have people in their corner. And those people in their corner, if you watch a boxing match, you'll see that, um, you know, they coach them. Uh, but the big part the big portion of their role is really to, to encourage, to, to call out the best in their, in their fighter, to encourage them when they're down, when they're bloodied, when they're beaten, to kind of just encourage them to get back up and get back out in the ring again. And, and we see this with, with Barnabas. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 9, verses 23 to 30. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's also going to be up on the screen. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. That's Paul. Paul's always, you know, on somebody's hit list. But Saul learned later in their, in, uh, Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch of the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the, the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So, so let me remind you at this point, like the, the apostle Paul or Saul at this point was persecutor of the Christians. So Saul had been one of the leaders who tormented the church, one of the leaders who tried to destroy the church, tried to stamp the church out. They, he had imprisoned people and uh, had them whipped and was present when Stephen was martyred. Got permission by the, from the Jewish authorities to go to Damascus and destroy the church. 
imprison the believers there, and, and instead, on the road to Damascus, Saul encounters the risen Christ. And he, in essence, changes sides. And now, the disciples, the apostles, are, are suddenly afraid of Saul, and you can understand that. Like when Saul walks into the first alliance church of Jerusalem and says, I want to join the church because I've become a follower of Jesus. You can understand that they would have been naturally suspicious of him, right? I mean, here he is. He's been tormenting them. He's been imprisoning them. And now he comes and he wants to join the church. And they're wondering, is this guy really, really legit? And they're just about to kick him out when this guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement, steps in, takes Paul under his wing, and at the risk of his own reputation, he says, this guy really, really is legit. He takes him around from house to house. I can just imagine that happening in Jerusalem. And he's showing them, this, this guy really is legit. You can trust him. And a couple of chapters later, we read that the church is growing so quickly, uh, too quickly for the leaders to handle. And, and they, need, they needed more leadership that they could rely on. And, and so Barnabas does his thing again. He goes and searches out Saul and he brings him back to Jerusalem. And he must have said something like, you know, this, this guy really can help us. We should trust him. Barnabas is in Saul's corner. He's got an encourager. And later on, this is really, really interesting. Because later on, Saul, Paul, goes on these missionary journeys and he takes a young guy with him by the name of Mark. And, and Mark, Mark is quite young and he was, he's a little bit soft. I don't, I don't know if you've read Paul's story, but every time you read about Paul, he's in trouble. He's getting... You know, he's, he's, he's getting into trouble. How many times in this chapter does it tell us that they want to kill him? That's just the beginning of his story. It kind of escalates from there. And, and John Mark goes with him on one of his missionary journeys, and he's a little bit soft. He can't handle it. And Paul basically says, I, I just can't take John Mark with me. Guess what happens? Barnabas makes a break with Saul. And he says, I'm going to go take this John Mark under my wing. And I'm going to encourage him. And it works because later on, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's been helpful to me in my ministry. Something happened in John Mark's life and I think it was Barnabas, the encourager. Barnabas is in his corner. Mark is not there. Paul is not there if it were not for Barnabas. Back in 2009, many of you know the story, back in 2009, I just, about, I just about burned out and I just about quit and I just about walked away from pastoral ministry because I was just so tired and, and I had gotten into a real state of discouragement. And there were lots of reasons behind that, I won't go into it, but I had a chair named Jay Ritterkoff and a board of elders who said, you shouldn't quit from a place of tiredness. Take a sabbatical, get some rest, get some perspective. We want you to come back, but if you come back and you still think you ought to leave, go somewhere else, you can do that, but do it from a place of rest, not from a place of tiredness. They blessed me and they sent me off for, for four months and said, just, just go and heal and restore. You know, when they did that, I knew that they were in my corner. I knew that they were in my corner. And that act alone encouraged me. Were it not for them, I'm not here today. I'm not here today. A few weeks ago, Oscar, one of our seniors, called me up. I think it was a, it was a Sunday night. It's either Saturday or Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday night. Nine o'clock. 
When somebody calls me at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, I'm like, oh, something's wrong. There must be something going on. I was a little bit worried. I wasn't sure what it was, but something's wrong. It's Sunday night at 9 o'clock. And I called Oscar, and I said, hey, Oscar, what's going on? And he said, Pastor, I just listened to your message online, and I just want you to know I really appreciate you. Thank you for preaching God's word. Thank you for being faithful in this hard season. Now, Oscar caught me on a week where I was a little bit discouraged because I didn't know if anyone was even listening. You know, you get up here, you preach to the blind, you know, the camera, and it's like, I, I don't know if anyone's listening. Is anyone out there? Nobody's out there when you're up here uh, on Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock <laughs> preaching a message. And you just wonder, like, is, is anybody tracking? I, I know that there are people, there were people who were. But when he phoned, I knew that he was in my corner. And that encouraged me that week. I needed to hear that word. To be an encourager means that we come alongside of someone and we stand in their corner. And it, particularly when life is tough, particularly when things are difficult, maybe other people have even give up, given up on them. But we stand in their corner and we don't necessarily even need to say anything. Sometimes just our presence with them. Sometimes just being with them, having a coffee with them is a sign to them that they have someone in their corner. Being an encourager means that we are in somebody's corner. Is there somebody that you need, somebody's corner that you need to be in? Is there someone in your life that you just need to step in and say, I, I'm here with you. I'm in your corner. I've got your back. I've got you covered. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. I'll do whatever you need. But I want you to know I'm here for you. Is there someone that you could do that for? And then lastly, encouragers care about people. They, they just care. They, they don't, they're not looking out for their own interests. They're actually looking out for the interest of someone else. Third principle comes from this passage in Acts chapter 11. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them. Barnabas does what Barnabas always does. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look out for Saul, to look for Saul, and he found him and brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. But Barnabas is commissioned to go to Jerusalem, or go from Jerusalem, to Antioch, the Gentile church in Antioch. There's this movement of God that's taking place. The Gentiles are coming to faith in the Lord and Barnabas goes there and begins to encourage them. And as he encourages them, other people come to faith in Christ. There's a, there's a significant, a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit in that area. And Barnabas is right at the center of it. And you would think that Barnabas would be like, this is awesome. I'm going to stay right at the center of it. I'm, I'm going to get all the credit. This is going to be an amazing ministry. We'll call the new church the Barnabas Center for Revival or something crazy like that. Right? I'll put my name on it. We'll market it. We'll get it on Instagram. But he doesn't do that. He goes to get the Apostle Paul. He says they, they need him. And he goes to get the Apostle Paul and they minister there for a year. And from that point on, Paul actually begins to take prominent, the prominent role 
And it's his name that begins to get out there, so to speak. It's Paul that begins to lead. And Barnabas begins to fade into the background. You see, see, modern-day encouragers don't look for credit. They're not looking to get their ego stroked. They're, they're, just, they're just wanting the best for other people. They, they just care about people. They care about the welfare of other people. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to encourage other people and build other people up. They're willing to do whatever it takes to help others. We have lots of them here. We've got small group leaders who do that. We've got prayer warriors. We've got elders. We've got youth leaders. We, we've got so many of you who just do that already. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning if you're doing that, and I want to say thank you to you if you're doing that. You're praying for people. You're making phone calls. You're, you're, you're stepping in and just looking out for the best interests of other people. You are an, an encourager. You invest yourself in the well-being of other people. You're building them up, not developing your own profile or your own reputation. Oftentimes, you're working quietly and behind the scenes. You're an encourager. I want to encourage you to continue to do that more. This week, you can encourage someone. You can encourage someone in their spiritual growth. You can pray for them. You can text them a verse of Scripture. You can start a life group. You can be in a life group with somebody you can go on a Zoom call. How many of you still love Zoom calls? Anybody? Everybody? Is <laughs> one, one, one or two of you? Good. Yeah, I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can be an encouragement. You can be an encouragement. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter. You can be stuck at home, and you can be an encouragement to somebody. So as we leave this week, I, I pray that, that you leave encouraged and that you would leave ready to be encouraged ready to encourage. One author wrote, no one comes closer to reflecting the true spirit of the gospel in the entire New Testament than does Barnabas. Why? He says because he expresses the heart of Jesus. Jesus is the one who generously gives his life for us. He gives generously. Jesus is the one who calls us his friends. We're in his corner. He's in our corner. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you till the very end of the age. I'm in your corner. And he pours the Spirit out into our lives. He pours his Spirit into our lives so that we can become transformed and become like him. See, to be an encourager is really to express the heart of Christ to others. That's a picture of what the church is supposed to be for each other. To express the heart of Jesus to each other. This week, would you find one other person that you can be an encouragement to? Not, not just because it's a good thing to do, but because it really does reflect the heart of Christ to another person. So I want to invite you to pray with me, and then we're going to take communion together as we recognize what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. So Jesus, we give you thanks for your grace again. Thank you that you are the one who gave yourself on the cross for us. You died, giving yourself generously, holding nothing back so that we could find forgiveness and grace and mercy. Thank you that you've called us your friends. You've brought us into a relationship with the Father and you've said, said to each one of us, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Thank you that you have our back. And we thank you for the generous, gracious outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can 
mature and become like you. We give you thanks, Jesus, for all that you've done. In your name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.